0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church, entitled, Unveiled, Part 6. Enjoy. Let's receive from him. This is why we come. We have no religious tradition to give you. We do have the resurrected Christ to give you, and that's why we're here. Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here in our midst. You are the very Spirit of God, that hovered over the waters in Genesis. You're the very Spirit of God that broke through the tomb and gave life to Lazarus. You're the very Spirit of God that removed leprosy from lepers' bodies. You're the very Spirit of God that straightened the back of the daughter of Abraham in the Gospels. You're the very Spirit of God that multiplied the fish and the loaves and fed thousands of people. You're the very Spirit of God that put uh, money in a fish's mouth, provision for Peter and Jesus to pay their taxes. You're the same Spirit of God that does impossible things. We refuse to limit you. We take our religious goggles off and our religious ear headphones off and we say, be God in our lives. We take you as you are. The one who does impossible things, who calls things that are not as though they are, who gives life to the dead, the one who's made us new and given your son. Thank you for ministering to everyone here this morning and everyone through the internet, uh, through the live stream, and through the podcast. By your spirit, Father, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're continuing with a series we're calling Unveiled. And not only do we want Christ to be unveiled in our lives, we want to see him as he is, but we want you to see the new you as you are in him. And we focus on those things at Highway Church, three things, who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. And we gave you some homework in the last few weeks. You were to meditate on and purposefully think about two things as you go throughout your week. The first one is how much he loves you. And this is big. And the real definition of love hasn't really been emphasized enough in churches. Oftentimes when love is talked about, we're told how much we need to love God. And the emphasis is put on our behavior and our conduct. But actually the definition, the perfect definition of love is given to us in 1 John 4.10. It says, herein is love, not love that we love God but that he loved us and gave us his son. So we think of love in a very different way. We define love by who God is and what he's done for us, not by what we do. So we wanna encourage you to meditate on how much he loves you. You see, Jesus was the love of God in the flesh. And when the leper came to him and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean, Jesus put his hand out and he touched him and he said, I will. Why did Jesus do that? Love. Love heals. Love makes whole. Love is very practical and very real. So if you're, if you're uh, believing God for certain things in your life that he's provided for you, I want to encourage you to take the eyes off of your faith and your conduct and put them on his love for you. That with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I'm healed because he loves me. And I'm no longer struggling trying to figure out how to get more faith and how to make it happen. But I realize that he's already done it and I'm receiving it now because he loves me. All right, so that's what we're gonna do. In fact, we're gonna make that a kind of regular practice of our lives to have this mindset that his love is the strength of my life that I'm strong not because I've done everything right and because I'm a goody-goody Christian, I'm strong because he loves me. I'm strong because he gave his son for me. I'm strong because he lives in me. I'm strong because I'm free from condemnation and he's given me his very own righteousness. And the second thing we gave you as homework was to meditate on how amazing you are. Have you been doing those two things, how much he loves you and how amazing you are? I mean, if you got a new car, you'd meditate on it for a while, wouldn't you? You'd sit in that thing and you'd smell the new car smell. You'd play with all the controls and figure out what all the buttons do. You'd take it for a ride. That's what meditating in the Word is. You get inside of God's word. You sit in the reality of what he's done for you, that he bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, and you breathe in the aroma of Christ, and you find out all the promises and what, they've, what he's done for you. You push all the buttons. You get inside of what he's done for you. You sit there, and then you take it for a ride. You get up, and you go through your day knowing that he has purchased this new life for you, and it's yours forever. The Holy Spirit wants to unveil to you the real you, who you really are, and your destiny. That you are on this earth at this time for a divine reason. And no human being knows who you really are. No human being has the wisdom to tell you who you are because they didn't create you. God made you and only he truly knows who you were created to be. And I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to unveil that to you so that you can go forward the rest of this year and the rest of your, your years with a confidence and assurance knowing why you're in this earth and what you've been called to do by him. So you're in this earth at this time first and foremost because he loves you. First and foremost, because he loves you, and secondly, because he loves those around you. That's really the two reasons we're in this earth. You could say it this way. You're in this earth to know him and to transmit him. We're here to know him and to transmit him. We began in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 last week, and we're going to go back there. And we were looking at God's master stroke, as the message calls it, where God actually asked his son, Jesus, to lay down his glory and come to the earth as a man and demonstrate to the world around him how good God is, and then to to allow himself to be arrested and wrongly accused and be tortured and scourged and then to go to the cross and to be crucified, to willingly give up his spirit to descend into hell and to bear the full punishment of all of our sins for all time, and to be raised up on the third day and to appear to his disciples for 40 days, and then to go back and ascend to his father so that the Holy Spirit would come into the earth. That was the master plan of God. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter two. We're not gonna read all of the verses that we read last week. We're gonna read some of them. But the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you God's master plan that he began through Jesus and he's continuing through you today. First Corinthians chapter two, verse one, in the message translation says this, you'll remember friends, That when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did. That's what we focus on at Highway Church. That is the scope of our focus right there. First Jesus, who he is, then Jesus, and what he did. Jesus crucified, in other words, all that he accomplished for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Verse five in the Passion Translation. For God intended that your faith not be established On man's wisdom. That's a biggie right there. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom. God's plan for His church is a place where people can come and hear His wisdom, not the wisdom of the day with a Christian label on it. And what's often happened is the church has limited God, limited the Holy Spirit oftentimes won't even let him in their services. In fact, I was talking uh, uh, with someone who had recently been to a conference and this person went into, into a church and was just very moved by what God was doing and, and began praying privately to herself during worship in the spirit. And um, they came to her and said, um, listen, if, if you're gonna do that, we want you to go to the basement. Isn't that something? If you're going to pray in the spirit, which is how the church began in the book of Acts, then we want you to go to the basement. I don't mind God being in my basement, but I want him on the first floor too. Second floor, I want him out front in the parking lot. I want him high and lifted up and exalted. But that little scenario is a good good example of what many have done with the Holy Spirit. They put him in the basement Uh, For I guess, I don't know when, but we don't want the Holy Spirit in the basement only. (laughs) We want Him actively involved. We want Him present and seen in our lives. But that's what man's wisdom does. There are many believers that are afraid to pray in the Spirit, many believers that say that we shouldn't do that in public and in, in a worship service. And, and I shared this last week. Actually, if you'll read the New Testament, you'll see the church began with praying in tongues. It was the empowerment Jesus talked about because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And it was the sign that the apostles looked for as they traveled in the book of Acts to see who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the template for the New Testament church. Uh, many have misunderstood Paul's teachings in 1 Corinthians where he said, uh, uh, he taught about the gifts of the Spirit, and if you'll look at what he's saying, uh, the Corinthian church was a wild place, and I mean that by saying they were very carnal. Sexual immorality was going on there, they were getting drunk, they were doing carnal, sinful things, and Paul uh, was speaking to them, and, and when he addressed them, he wouldn't condemn them for their sin, he would tell them who they are in Christ. He said, this is not you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking about praying in tongues and and praying in the Spirit. And he's basically saying, don't talk to one another. Don't come to the assembly and give a message in tongues because no one's going to understand that. That that if I were to come here and give my message in tongues, that wouldn't make any sense. That's not what it's for. It's firstly, it's for prayer it's for personal edification and exaltation and worship of God. But when I speak to another person, I don't speak to them in tongues. And the only time we would do that is if there's an interpretation that would follow, which he talks about. But then he concludes by saying, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Okay? So praying in the spirit is perhaps the most powerful thing God has given us. And if you're not praying in the spirit regularly, you are are keeping yourself, you are limiting what God can do in your life. Pray in the spirit as you go throughout your day and your night. Pray in the spirit. Don't let controversy and, and the ignorance of man keep you from experiencing the power of God. Pray in the spirit. Man, I I was just, even this past week, I think it's, God, I am so thankful. This has saved my life. I mean, there are times I'll pray in the Spirit for, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half. It has changed my life. I wouldn't wanna go through life without praying in the Spirit. It's God's provision. It's what Jesus commanded his disciples to receive. Don't go anywhere See, that that's what happened. The church goes out witnessing. We were never supposed to go out witnessing. We're supposed to be witnesses. So they put the Holy Spirit in the basement and they made their tracks and they went out knocking on doors. Nah. That's not what Jesus said. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere. Don't knock on any doors until you're praying in the Spirit, until your tongue's been empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then you'll become my witnesses. And everywhere you go, they're going to see you and me. Me and you, same thing, right? Isn't it good? We love the Holy Spirit. Why would the, God's people be afraid of the Holy Spirit? Why would they put him in the basement? I really had no plan to talk about this. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. He's the very spirit of God. He's the one who knits you together in your mother's womb. If anyone you could welcome into your life, it would be him. If anyone should have full right away in our thought processes and what we believe and where we go and what we do, it should be the Holy Spirit. In fact, he should be the foremost person in our life. so that your faith might not be established on man's wisdom that puts God in the basement, but by trusting in his almighty power. Verse nine, that's why we have the scripture. This is in the message translation. That's why we have the scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. You may as well just get used to it. The Holy Spirit is out of this world. He's not going to fit into your what you think God should be. He's so much bigger than your imagination. He's so much greater than our religious tradition. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged or prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 in the Passion Translation. But God now unveils these profound realities to us. How? By the Spirit. How is he going to unveil to you the realities of Christ if you won't let him be seen in your life? I don't know, it's kind of like maybe it's a relative you're ashamed of, you know, and, and you don't want your friends to meet them. But it's not like that. I want all my friends to know the Holy Spirit. In fact, if he's the, the, the first one they meet when they meet me, that would be just fine. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart. I love that. The deepest part of God is revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. I will tell you this, man would do much less research and experience much more life if they invited the Holy Spirit to be the front runner in their lives instead of in the basement. There'd be a a much less need for programs and tracks if people would let the Holy Spirit be seen in their lives. (laughs) He's revealed to these by his spirit. And look at the message, how the message says it. The spirit not content to flit around on the surface. Why? Listen, there is no treasure, naturally speaking, no real treasure, that is found on the surface you don't find treasure on the surface you have to dig for it you have to get below the stuff on the surface we said it towards the beginning of the year god wants us to live deep below the the superficial the la- the layers of culture and religious tradition We're going to get into that in just a moment. The Spirit is not content to flit around on the surface. He dives into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you full right of way to do that in us. Reveal the inmost heart of God to us. let's talk about some layers of stuff that can get in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, okay? Culture can be a layer of stuff we need to dig below. Now, all of us have our own immediate culture. Now, I grew up in in an Italian family. And uh, it was customary, my mom, when, when, when she was uh, to marry my dad, she would go over his mom's home and learn how to make the food the way she, his mom made it. So I grew up in a home where my mom made homemade stuff from scratch. I didn't know there was any other way of living. That was my culture. So she would make these homemade raviolis. Literally, she'd make the dough, she'd, she'd roll them, she'd cut it, and they were probably about that big and that thick, and, and it was like one of my favorite things. And then, you know, you grow up, and, and, I, and I went to school, and I remember going into the school cafeteria, and raviolis was on the menu, and I was excited, because I had my mom's raviolis. I was like, man, they're the best. And I remember, getting my little plastic tray and going through the line and looking ahead, and seeing these wet, soggy, flappy things being slapped into people's... And I'm like, what, what are those? I really didn't know. I didn't know what they were. And I was looking for the raviolis. That was their version of ravioli. They were thin, they were soggy, they were... Pfft. I didn't know what Chef Boyardee was. I don't know if those were Chef Boyardee. Pardon me, Chef, I don't want to slam you here, but... And they put them on my tray, and I was like, you're kidding. I didn't say this, but inside I'm like, you're kidding me? These are not raviolis. You need to come to my house. I'll tell you, I'll show you what raviolis are. Now, that's just food, and it's fun. But there are some, what I'm talking about when I talk about culture is not that you have to stop eating homemade raviolis, but the ideas that are promoted in the culture you're in. In my family, there are ideas that were promoted that were ungodly. That's what I'm talking about. There were things that were said that would limit us and derade us and insult. There were things that, that the parents would say to the children that would hurt, were hurtful. I remember watching my siblings get torn apart with the words from, yeah, I don't want to go into all the details, I saw some real difficult things growing up. What, we, all of us grew up in some kind of a culture. And I want you to know that through faith in Christ, you can be set free from the culture you grew up in. You can be healed from the culture you grew up in. I needed that. Because when I came to know Christ, I had some wrong thinking. I had some wrong beliefs, some wrong ideas that I needed to remove from my life, that I need to allow the Holy Spirit to take from my life. And we were a family that were first forced to go to church, but I didn't learn the things that you're learning and we talk about here in church. In fact, they said some things there that were very contrary to what Christ taught, very contrary to what Christ did. So I had a lot of layers to dig, to dig beneath to get to Jesus. So culture and religious tradition, these are layers that can hinder us from experiencing the heart of God. Even good intentions or what we think is right can be a layer. Do you know good intentions won't set you free? Only truth will. So these layers of culture, the ideas that I've been maybe believed that are true about God and about myself and about people, uh, traditions, religious traditions or traditions of men, even even good intentions or what I used to think was right, that won't set me free. I need to dig below all of those things and get to the heart of God. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in all of our lives. Are you willing to let go of cultural ideas, what the culture around you says is right or wrong, this is where it's at. Are you willing to let go of traditions that you may have observed for your entire life? Are you really even to look at to let go of what you thought were good intentions and literally to take Jesus at his word? Look at verse 12 in chapter 2. Verse 12. this is in the Passion Translation, it says, for we did not receive the spirit of the world's system, thank God. We did not receive the spirit of the culture around us, of man's traditions and religious tradition, or, or even what is perceived as good intentions. We received the spirit of God so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Any one of the things I just mentioned can keep you from experiencing all that grace has lavished upon us. In fact, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 You don't have to put it up there. Verses two through four says, grace and peace are multiplied to us through the true knowledge of God. So when I began to learn this back in 1989, man, I was like, get out of my way. I want all of Jesus I can get. I'm still like that today. I I I love people, but man, if you're gonna give me some dumb idea that your ancestors have promoted, sorry, I'm going after Jesus. You can keep your traditions. I want, I want the heart of God. I want all of him, not 10%, not 30%, not 98%. I want 100% of who he is, fully active in my life, in my family's life. I want him leading the way in everything I do. And you have to resist fear to dig through. That's how you dig through. Those layers, a big part of those layers is fear of what people think of you, right? The fear of man is a trap. It keeps you locked in to the, the, the surface stuff. And you can talk about God for the rest of your life and believe the Bible and say, yeah, Jesus is Lord, but never experience all that grace has lavished on you. Isn't it amazing that we could have Christ inside of us and yet not experience Him? That what we believe and value can either limit Him or set Him free inside of us. Ha ha. Hallelujah. Verse 13 in the Weiss translation says this Which things also we put into words, not in words taught by human philosophy, but Uh, Excuse me, but in words taught by the Spirit, fitly joining together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-taught words. I love that. When you start to realize these things, you won't be satisfied with anything or anyone else other than the Holy Spirit. We want Spirit. Messages when we come to church. You know, you could, you could go to a seminary as a, as if you want to go into ministry and, and go through training for four years, and you can get there are volumes of, of messages that have been prepared through years of study and tradition, and you can just pull those out and preach those. I don't want that. I need fresh, hot Jesus. There's nothing stale about him. Man's religious traditional tradition is stale, spoiled. It's got green, nasty mold on it. Now, the message translation in verse 13 says it this way. Are you ready for this? We don't have to rely on the world's guesses and opinions. Anything that man says is a guess. Everything God says is truth. He has never and will never guess at anything. He can't. He's truth. That's who I need leading the way in my life, right? Rely on the world's guesses and opinions. You know, someone can do research for 100 years, they're still guessing. In any given study, and it, no matter how much money puts behind, uh, man puts into a study, no matter how many experts are involved in that research, no matter how long it goes on, there are factors that man cannot account for in this life. In order for a study to be perfectly true and foolproof, you'd have to account for every, every factor. And man can't do that. Any study that man releases is a guess and an opinion. I know this might be a little uh, touchy here, but it's true anyway. Are you ready for this? We didn't learn this by reading books or going to school. My, how education has been exalted in, in the Western Europe and, and, and came over into the States, it started in the age of reason, where man became exalted, and man's ability to reason became exalted. Do you know that when God created man, he wasn't created to figure things out by reason? He was created to move in revelation, not education. See, I like going back to the source, how God did it. Let's get back to that, where we make our decisions not based on education, based on revelation. And that might be kind of a frightening thing, like, oh, what do you mean? In other words, we make our decisions in life because we're having this intimate, inmost heart relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if he says something to us that's bigger than what we've imagined, we don't put him down in the basement and walk away. We say, okay, help me yes okay Lord make that so in my life make that a reality inside of me help me see that help me understand that help me go forward in that we didn't learn this by reading books or going to school see education the, the literal name I actually the literal definition of the word is very good from the Latin educare it means to draw, to draw out of and if you'll walk with the holy spirit he will draw out of you your fullest potential he is the teacher the best education you could ever get is not from harvard it's not from an ivy league school it's by listening to the holy spirit and man gets man has become very proud of their systems of education But the best education you will ever receive is walking with the Holy Spirit and taking Him at His word. That's what man was designed for. I'll take what God says over the best education money can buy in this world any day of the week. There are so many holes in it, in man's system of education, it's changed so much. What's emphasized now in the higher levels of education was not emphasized in their foundings. We learned it from God. Are you telling me you can learn directly from God? Everything you need to know in life Yeah. You're telling me all of the answers for my life are found through relationship with the one who made me? Yes. What are we doing? We're exalting him, aren't we? We're lifting him above man-made systems and giving him his rightful place as God. We learned it from God, not from books, not from going to school. We learned it from God. Thank you, Father, for educating your people by your Spirit through revelation of you, who taught us person to person through Jesus, and we're passing it on to you in the same firsthand, personal way. Real treasure, the answers you need for the issues of your life are not found in an Ivy League school. They're found in the Spirit of God. Does this hurt at all? It's good, isn't it? We want the Holy Spirit. Man is struggling to try and find some kind of peace. And I saw a promotion and I won't say where it was from, but basically they were going to hold a seminar to teach you how to manage your pain. That's the best man can do. God doesn't want you to manage your pain. He puts your pain on His Son Jesus Christ so you could be free from it for the rest of your life. The best that man can try and do is is behavior modification. God's not into behavior modification. He gives you a brand new spirit, He makes you a new creation. That's what He's into. He's in a new creation not behavior modification. When you become a new creation, your behavior is going to change. When you, when you become intimate with the Holy Spirit, don't worry about it. Your behavior is going to change. It, you can't stay the same when the Holy Spirit becomes the one in your life. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you pray in the Spirit regularly, there is no way you can stay the same. Can't be done. All of man's methods are from the natural realm, trying to get into your, your issue or your source. God works from the inside out. He goes to the source of the issue. Now, here we go. This is the, really the scriptures I wanted to get to. Let's see, Let's finish it? Yeah. We want to look at Jesus as he personally ministers, and now when you read the Gospels, look and see how Jesus is trying to pull people from uh, through the layers of their culture and tradition into the reality of who he is. And we're gonna look at that in John chapter four. But another way of saying this or another way of, of, of getting to the treasure, to this realm of the spirit, is in First Thessalonians five, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to. You. Actually, let's put it up. First five. I'm sorry. First Thessalonians five, twenty three. Let's put it up there first. And the very God of peace. That word is Irene in the Greek. It means wholeness, prosperity. The very God of wholeness, well being, prosperity. Sanctify you, W H O L L Y, means completely. Total person, whole. And I pray, God, you're W H O L E, you're whole. You'll notice God's into wholeness. When Jesus healed people, He didn't uh, heal one eye and leave the other eye blind, He heals completely. Whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very important scripture because it gives us insight into, the sp- into how we're made. There are three parts to who we are, right? Spirit and soul and body. Man doesn't understand this. Man doesn't know what the difference is between your soul and your spirit. Man will talk about body and mind or body and spirit. They don't know, uh, soul and spirit are basically the same thing to, to man. But they're very different. Man lives in the realm of the soul. We're called to live in the realm of the spirit. What's the difference? The soul, as we look through the scriptures, we can see what the soul is. The soul comp- is comprised of your, your, um, your emotions, your will, your, your reasoning, Really what your soul is, as you look through the scriptures, they are tools that God has given us to, to process and to experience him, but they're not who we are. What happens if you're not embracing him and not, don't have revelation of the things we're sharing today, you end up begin living by the soul. It ends up becoming what leads you instead of just being simply tools that enhance you. Okay? Mankind is living by their soul. They're living by their feelings, their emotions. They're living by their ability to reason. They're living by their will, willpower. We're called to live by our spirits. You are a spirit, and so is every other human being. So the real you is actually a spirit, not a soul. You have a soul, your soul's connected to your spirit. those are the tools that are connected to your spirit, and you're living in a physical body. So man is, is focused on those two outer two things: your physical body and your soul. How I feel, what I believe is true, what I think, my willpower, my body that's where man lives. Okay? There are no answers there. This is where man's counseling is. They counsel you from the soul. And they'll try and counsel your soul. Now our souls need healing. And when you can have a, if you can have a counsel that's full of the Holy Spirit, born again and alive to God, they can counsel you by the Spirit of God, now you're cooking But man, and I'm not trying to put anyone down, man doesn't have answers for you. All they can try and do is get to the realm of the soul. And I'm telling you, I've heard some nutty analysis given by people with degrees of a situation. But that's the best they can do. Because they're living in the realm of the soul. And if you're going to live by the way you feel and by your own intellect, good luck. I'm telling you the answers you need are in the realm of the Spirit. They are. That's where life is. We've exalted man's intellect instead of the person of God and the Holy Spirit. And we wonder why we're struggling and why we're not experiencing more God. What is key to how you live? What have you built your thinking on? What do you esteem? Where do you go to when you have a problem? Google or the Holy Spirit? You don't ever need to Google again as far as the answers of your life are concerned. Google doesn't have what you need. I use Google, it's fun, search for things. But as far as my life is concerned, what's going on inside of me, I need fellowship and intimacy with the one who made me. I don't need to read about a study that was done by man. Who who produce these results based on their own wisdom and their own perspective? I need the author of life. I mean, if we couldn't get to God, if God wasn't an option, then yeah, I'd be googling like crazy. I'd be going to everybody asking for something. But when the one who made me is freely available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and has invited me to to receive from him without limit, I'm gonna go to him. Come on, can you get the answers you need for your daily situations directly from God? Is that that just crazy? Not only can you, that's how we're to live. So we live differently now when we get up. We're listening to him. We're looking to him. I can't tell you, in my life and people that I've known, they say it's amazing as I walk with God, you know, I'll either get hired for a certain position which I have no training for, I don't know how to do, I've never done before, and God will show me how to do it. That's the story of my life. (laughs) He leads me places that I may have no training in. David never took the head off of a giant. And the whole army of Israel who was skilled and trained were were paralyzed with fear. See, God has some giants that you're to take the head off of. But you can't do that through natural reason. You can't do that through how you feel. See, your feelings are not who you are. You might feel depressed, but you're not depressed. The reality is if you put your faith in Christ, His Joy is inside of you now. So what do I do if I feel this heavy, depressing, I don't want to get up, I don't want to pull the blinds, I don't want to, what do I do? Well, if I haven't put my faith in Christ, I start there. I take Christ at his word. I receive him. I'm born again. I get full of the Holy Spirit. I pray in the Spirit, and then I learn what he's done for me, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I begin to worship him, even though I feel lousy. What happens when you do that? Your spirit grows stronger and begins to take authority over your soul. I realized as I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and prayed the Spirit, that my soul was controlling me. For almost 19 years, almost 20 years, my soul controlled me. It was a miserable life. I lived by how I feel and what the conclusions I came to. But when I got full of the Holy Spirit and started learning the truth about who God is, woo! I got set free. And my soul came under the authority of my spirit. And now my soul enhances what I do instead of controls it. There are times my soul tries to tell me what to do and I say, shut up. I will walk with the Lord. I will bless his name. I am healed. I am strong. You have to take control of your soul. Don't wait for your soul to feel better before you begin talking to your soul and saying what God says about you. Tell your soul how happy it is. I'm very serious. This is where it's at. Open your mouth and describe to your soul the limitless joy that's bursting forth in you. The joy of Jesus Christ is flooding through my being. The resurrection power of Christ is flooding not only through my soul, but right into my body. Every cell of my body is teeming with life. My whole body is full of light and resurrection power. Do you talk like this? Start today. This is spirit taught words that you're hearing. Didn't get this from a book. You know, you can have one person read the Bible with natural understanding, another person read the Bible by the Holy Spirit, you get very different results. God could illuminate one verse, three words in a verse to you that'll heal your body. He's so good. So here's Jesus now in John chapter 4, and this woman, man, there's so much here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let me just give you one scripture before we get in John 4. 1 Corinthians 2.14. This is so good. 1 Corinthians 2.14, last, last verse in this chapter. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's Spirit. Too many churches being led by leaders who are living life on a human level, for they make no sense to Him. It doesn't. This stuff—it's beyond what you can you can do in the natural. He can't understand the revelation of the Spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the Spirit. Wow. With this in mind, now let's go to John chapter four and wind this thing up. I'll just, we won't read through all the verses, but starting in verse seven, a woman of Samaria culture, tradition. So in the culture of Jesus' day, the Jews and the Samaritans were against each other. And in the culture of Jesus' day, women were oppressed. So we've got some cultural layers happening here. We've got a woman of Samaria, a woman of Samaria coming and having an interaction with a man who is a Jew. A lot of layers here, a lot of stuff we need to get through. His disciples went away into the city. The woman comes up to him and she says to him, um, excuse me, he says to this woman, give me a drink. And she must have been kind of startled because he really shouldn't have been even talking to her. This was very awkward culturally. You'll find Jesus will do that because he's not afraid of what people think. He'll say things to you that, that might make some feel awkward, but he'll set you free. So she looks at him, she says, how is it that you, culture, being a Jew, culture, religious tradition, ask a drink from me, a woman, a Samaritan? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus is trying to get her below her, these layers into the truth, right? Into the treasure of knowing him. He says in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Wow. What's he doing? Inviting her into a new life, Right? But woman's still thinking, you know, natural, culture, tradition, good intentions, religion. She says, sir, um, you have nothing to draw with. Hello? She's, what's she thinking? Her, her, her soul, her, her five senses. That's what man, man lives by, his five senses. If I can see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, hear it, smell it, then it's real. Jesus does not live that way. You're not called to live that way. There are things your senses can never detect, you need to make decisions before your senses detect things. You will know things by your spirit way before your senses ever do. You'll never be taken off guard when you're walking in the spirit. I'm telling you, this is spirit taught right here. You'll never be taken off guard. You'll never be dismayed when you're walking in the spirit. You'll never be a. when you're walking in the Spirit. So, you know, where are your your natural tools, guy? Where are you going to get this water from? You don't have anything to draw with. The well is really deep. And uh, and then she goes into her religious tradition or his religious tradition, their religious tradition, because they were connected uh, in some regards the Samaritans and the Jews she said are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well now she's maybe getting kind of defensive huh who do you think you are buddy and drank from it himself as well of his sons and his livestock there's her tradition her religion Jesus answered and said to her, whosoever drinks of this natural water is gonna be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water, the supernatural water that I shall give him will never thirst. That is not possible. Yes, it is. will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, hey, I'm in, right? She's still thinking naturally though, right? Where's this well at? Sir, give me this water. I like that. I don't ever want to be thirsty again. I don't want to have to come out here in the sun and get water, but she's not getting it. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. She says, I have no husband. He says, you're correct. You've well said. You have no husband. You've had five husbands. See, when you live in the realm of the soul, your relationships get all messed up. You don't know how to love when you're living by your soul. You go by the way you feel or the way someone else makes you feel and you get trapped in these relationships and you can't get out of them. Have you ever seen someone trapped in a, in, a, in a harmful relationship? They're getting abused and beaten and they can't walk away from it. Why? They're living in their soul. The soul will trap you. You weren't meant to live there. So Jesus, he's not being cruel. He's being loving. He's letting her you know there's a different way to live. You don't have to go from relationship to relationship anymore. The one who made you standing in front of you. Hallelujah. She said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Okay. <laughs> now you, now she's maybe starting to open up a little bit. Then she goes into worship. She said, our fathers, so here's tradition again. Worshipped on this mountain. And the Jews, I say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Religious traditions going bye-bye. You will worship what you do not know. We worship for salvation of the Jews but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In verse 24, this is our verse, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Last verse in John 663, Jesus said this, it is the spirit that quickeneth, King James, for gives life. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are a spirit, and they are life. So I'm going to give you some scriptures to take with you. I want you to walk in the spirit. And the way to walk in the spirit is by trusting in who he is and what he's done for you. Here's some great scriptures that you, that's a great one right there, John 6, 63. You can write that down and meditate on that this week. Get inside of it. I'll just read that over and over again. It just produces life in me and opens up my, my spirit, my soul, and my body to who he is. Let me give you another one, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. These will help you uh, get from out of the soul realm into the spirit realm. And you can read that in the NIVN in the message. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. See, don't lean on their soul. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. There is health by walking in the spirit that nothing man can do or give you can bring. Verse 8 in the message says, your body will glow with health, your very bones will vibrate with life. So Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, write that down, meditate in it this week. And Proverbs 4, 20 through 23, and I'll just uh, read verse 21, it says, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. You can pop that up on the screen. Proverbs four twenty one in the Passion Translation. So it says, fill fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Listen, you've got to make time for God if you want to live deep. Reading a little Bible verse now and then is not going to do it. You have to give time for the truth of his word to penetrate and sink deeply into your being. Okay? Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit then as you unwrap my words, verse 22, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. Hallelujah. There's a treasure for you, but you gotta be willing to to go through the cultural ideas, traditions, the way you feel, what so-and-so says, and let the truth of Christ penetrate And go deep into your very core. Father, thank you for this time together. This is huge, this is big. We don't want to limit you by cultural ideas or the wisdom of man or even what is perceived as good intentions, religious tradition. We want you to be limitless in our lives. We want you to do whatever you want to do because your presence is an open door and we're seeing you like never before. We give you right away, Holy Spirit. We're not going to leave here today and live the way we had been living. We're going to live differently. We're going to make little adjustments here and there. We're going to listen to you. We're going to consult you first and foremost. We're going to get alone with you, with no one else around, just you and me, and let you speak to us. Let you reveal Christ to us. We choose to live by the revelation of Christ that you give to us. In Jesus' name. yeah, yeah.